Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Hover.com. Hover is domain name registration and management that's simple. For 10% off your new domain, go to Hover.com slash TWIP. This week on TWIP, we go in deep with the Nikon D800. Adobe announces the Creative Cloud. It's $50 for all-you-can-eat Creative Suite. It's Wednesday, February 8th, 2012. And this is TWIP. And welcome back to another episode of TWIP, your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson, and joining me today on the show is Derek Story and Mr. Dan Ablin. Hey, guys. Hey, well, hello. You? All right. Uh, let's start. Well, Derek, you haven't been on in a while, but Dan has never been on the show. And Dan, you and I, we we did an interview which has not gone live yet hopefully it'll go go live in the next week or so okay. but uh you and i the reason i wanted to introduce you to the the twip army is that you bring to the show the perspective of the business owner the 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 guy that has a studio you're the guy that i wanted to be so you're the guy that has the <laughs> brick and mortar studio it's beautiful you walk in you got the plush furniture and giant prints yep. on the walls and Yep. projection and all that stuff. So you're that guy. So Dude, yeah. Thank how, you. how did you, how did you, how'd you get that? I want that. How'd uh, you get that? You know, I'll tell you quickly that, uh, it's just kind of been in the back of my head for the last, uh, 20 working years. And, um, a few years ago we took advantage of the down economy, uh, when people weren't really, you know, uh, trying, they had so many spaces to rent and we, uh, my wife and I decided let's, let's try this venture. Um, and we opened a retail store in a high-end outdoor mall. And uh, within, I'd say, probably the first 13 months, 14 months, we made our initial investment back and uh, outgrew that space and moved into a larger space where now we do have that projection room and consult room and everything else. And um, part of our business is 3D animation and then a lot of training. So we can do all of that right here in this one studio. So, wow. um, you know, I, I have to say doing it, I think just bare bones would have been uh, quite risky. Um, but the fact that it was added on into the business, you know, where we already had this established 3D animation business and the training business and then with the books and videos and things, um, it was a good adjunct. So we had something else to fall back on. And I think that's something really important for people that want to go into it, not to jump in just blindly and scrap everything and quit their full-time job and, and do it, you know, to ease into it kind of like we did. Yeah, that's good. Well, th well, thanks for coming on. You bring, like I was saying, you bring, me. you bring that perspective to the show that's uh, that's real. Most of the, you know, a lot of photographers that we talk to, I think the majority of photographers actually, um, I, actually I can say that with confidence, the majority of photographers don't have a physical presence. You know, it's uh, you have a website and you can contact them and they'll go shoot yeah. jobs and all this stuff. But you're one of the few people I know that actually have a studio that that you can go to every day and you got to lock up and all that yep. good stuff. So. And the studio, and it's part of our marketing too. Uh, we, we had shot out of people's homes. We had a mock studio in the basement, you know, we did all that. Uh, but this was the best for us because we could completely control the light, control the clients. Nobody's, you know, we don't have to worry about, 
you go to somebody's home and they've got their camera out while you're there shooting and yeah, you wrote it into the contract, but it's still a little awkward and yeah. you never know where you're shooting. So that this often works, uh, works a lot better to our advantage. Cool. Well, welcome to the world of Twitter. Thank you. All right. Also on the show is Mr. Derek Story. Hey, Derek, what you been up to? Uh, boy, it's been Las Vegas season. <laughs> yeah, no, you're bouncing. You're about to go out again. Are you going out for WPPI? Uh, yeah, I'm about to go out again. It'll be my last trip for a little bit. So famous uh, last words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, this is a season where I'm on the road quite a bit. Uh, I've been I'm home uh, this week, and then I head out on Sunday back to WPPI. But I'm looking forward to it. It's it's a terrific show, and one of the things I really like about it is that we get a lot of young enthusiastic photographers at that show (laughs) and uh you know so it's it's high energy and you know they're excited and it gets us all excited too yeah now dan are you heading out to wppi not this year uh we're we've got just a few big projects here we're we're doing so uh and some other issues which i'll explain to you later but uh not going to make it this year hopefully next year though got it all right guys well Last week, uh, unless you were not paying attention to the news, you might have seen that Nikon made a little announcement. It was the D800 and the D800E. What? what? That's what I was going to say. When did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we talked about it on the show, but we got a lot of feedback from the listeners, especially the Nikon crew, saying, hey, you guys didn't talk about that thing enough. You know, you need to do it more justice. And I agreed because last on the last show, we all the entire panel, aside from me, was were cannon shooters. So... At least this time, we've got Dan on, who's a Nikon shooter, and Derek can defend the uh, the Canon camp as we talk through the features of <laughs> <laughs> the D800. So, so first of all, let's just start from the top. For the folks that may not have heard that Nikon announced this, so this is the successor to the D700, obviously, um, and it does a couple of interesting things that are different in the Nikon line, one of which, and the controversial thing, is that it looks like Nikon shifted away from, I don't know if they're shifting away from it, but they're putting more emphasis, at least with this body, on megapixels. So this thing is a DSLR that has a megapixel count of 36. So 36 megapixels on this little 35 millimeter sensor. So let's let's start there. Derek, I want to throw it to you first. So Okay. You're you're a Canon shooter, and you know you you you're one of the few people that I know that's an active shooter. You're out there shooting real jobs, and you're teaching, and you're doing all this educational stuff, and you're reviewing gear. So you're in a unique position to look at this thing and either cry BS or oh, this is the future. Which is it? Well, that's a great question. First of all, I, I guess the megapixel wars are not over. <laughs> we we thought there was a truce, but uh, apparently uh, Nikon uh, didn't subscribe to that truce. Yeah, uh, it's not BS. It's I mean, it's it's all interesting. And I mean, the first thing that I would think if if I were shooting Nikon is uh, like, oh heck, now I got to go buy another computer because <laughs> thirty more hard drive space. Something because thirty six, uh, you know megapixel raw files uh, probably are, are going to be a little something to process. There should be some excitement there. Yeah. Uh, and, but, you know, I think that the question that a lot of people brought up, well, I mean, is this competing now with uh, medium format backs? Mm-hmm. Or I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't think so. We're still definitely in the, the world of uh, 35 millimeter because 
uh, what I mean by, you know, the sensor size. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is because, you know, with medium format, you do get a larger sensor. And so all of the relationships are different than with the smaller 35 millimeter sensors and, and things such as depth of field and, and uh, stuff like that. So uh, 36 megapixels buys you a lot of resolution. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it processes and all the apps and everything. But it's not medium format. And um, I, I don't think it's it's BS. I think it's uh, you know it's Nikon doing their best to deliver uh, the best image possible. Now, Dan, Dan, what about you? In your your studio, are you shooting medium format of your for your portrait sessions or thirty five? No, I would love to, but uh, you know the cost factor on those it's just it's just not feasible. So I mean, I I absolutely love our D three. Uh, it's been great, and the one thing it was lacking is just I could have used just a bump in the megapixels. Um, you know, we've got sixty inch canvases that are shot at that twelve megapixel. Um, sixty you know, like, inch, well, yeah. sixty inch, and it's sharp as attack, clear as day. Um, Which begs the question: Is thirty six overkill? Do you? I mean, will, well, you, will you need here, it? You know, that's the thing, and I'm on the fence because I'm like, okay, that D four, that's you know, the low light and everything I like. It's from that D three, it's that next level. But then here's a D eight hundred, half the price, thirty six. And the reason I would choose that thirty six is simply for cropping. You know, all all other aspects aside, which are great, but it's that cropping. There's a lot of times where uh, we've got a group or we've got three or four people and they want just that one. And, you know, take stepping ahead to some of the tools that are coming in Photoshop, much easier content aware removal and those things that are previewed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it really gives us some flexibility to sell more prints and still blow up a nice size image. So, um, but then again, it's like, okay, now do I have to go get another Drobo? <laughs> you know, yeah. what about just exactly like Derek said, those, those file sizes. So, and I just read today that uh, Amazon is now saying delivery of January 2013. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. great. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, that, well, maybe that gives people time to save for this then. I don't know. <laughs> No, no, Derek. <laughs> Derek. So the other the other piece of this, there's a, a couple of other things on my my list I want to chat about. Right, but one right. of the other pieces is video with this thing. So oh, I thought you were going to ask me about the anti alias. I'm getting to that. Yeah. We're going to oh, get to the D800E. Up for that one. Well, let's go to that first. Then let's go to the D800E. So the right. the E means they remove the anti aliasing filter or whatever right. from this thing, so that you. Presumably, get all the light in there, and the best that that sensor can render, you get, and without without them putting any help in the way that could presumably degrade the image. Is that is that a good thing in your opinion, or or no? Well, it, it's. I think first of all, it's a cool thing that you have the option. I mean, I, I you know between the. But I want a button on the D eight hundred. I want to be able to turn it yeah. on and off. You know, what's that little filter to come in and out of the way or flip mm-hmm. up or yeah. Or, some sort of thing like that. I don't want a whole separate body. I just want to be able to say, okay, uh, for this mm-hmm. <laughs> shot, I want to not have this thing on. Yeah. I think you're going to need a bigger body for that uh, there, Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's their problem. I'm just yeah. a consumer. <laughs> but I think it's, it's built into the sensors, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I so. want what I want. Um, let's go back to reality for a second and in terms of having to choose between one of the two. And I think it depends on, you know, on who you are. I mean, I think for a lot of people, like for, for instance, Dan, I, I would guess that he would want that, that anti-aliasing filter because yes. he has a lot of fabrics and, you know, a lot of textures and stuff that he shoots. And, you know, Moray is really tough to get rid of in post-production, exactly. even with, yeah. with, with the tools we have right now. So in that case, you know, I, I probably would want that filter. 
if you're a landscape dude uh, and you're not really having to worry about mm-hmm. uh, those fabrics and stuff, you want every little bit that you can get out of it. I'd go with the other one then, and uh, you know the you're not going to have to worry. With the, yeah, 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 okay. and uh, and not have to not have to worry about it. So uh, you know it really depends on what you shoot. I think for most people though, uh, you want that filter. You're not. I mean, you're really pixel peeping when you're talking about you know what you're giving up here. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, this is a this is a good camera that's going to deliver uh, very good images. I know, I know. That's what I was going to get to. I was, I was. Who was I talking to? I think it was Scott Bourne or somebody about this camera. And you know, we were, we were. The the discussion was like it got to the point where I was like, Do you remember back ten years ago the cameras that we had ten years ago? <laughs> we were. You know that people were making outstanding images with, and now we fast forward to today, and we have these <laughs> these Star Trek Enterprise level <laughs> cameras that can do all this stuff, and we're still complaining about, oh, it's got a it's got an anti aliasing filter, or it doesn't do this, or it's thirty six megapixels. D- Derek, do you remember the you remember the ten D? You remember those? I had one. I had one. <laughs> I still have one. Oh, do you? You still have it? I have a ten D. I had it modified for infrared. But, oh, hey, that's a, that's oh, a good thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's still it's still here, and it's still kicking. I mean, you look at the LCD on the back of that thing, and it's like a postage stamp. But <laughs> Well, that's the thing about the old cameras. Those LCDs were – they were brutal. I mean, the mm-hmm. cameras still took pretty good pictures, right? But those well, LCDs... the photographer took good pictures, Derek, yeah, not the camera. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, need, I need sound effects on this show. I'm so wounded. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nikon Nikon photographers take good pictures. Canon cameras oh, take good pictures. Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're, you're, you're bound to determine to stir something up. I am, I am, I am. I'm stirring the pot. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, those those cameras were were actually quite decent, uh, but they didn't have all the the fun stuff that we have now, and you know. The, and this is definitely, I mean, just the fact that you can choose to have the aliasing filter, or the anti-aliasing filter, I think that's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's interesting. Now, what about the, Dan, I'll throw it back to you. So you, yeah. you have one foot in the video world with the 3D rendering yeah. and, and that sort of thing. So this camera, the D800, and I'm not, you know, so I can't come from a, I can't speak from a position of, like authority on this because I don't shoot a lot of video. I mean, the the, the camera that I have does that does the best video is my D seven thousand. Yeah, but, that's what I have too. Yeah, yeah, but the the D eight hundred from what I'm reading and all the accounts is saying that Canon kind of did the let me watch or Nikon did the let me watch what Canon is doing or did and let me give people what they really want and they put all these different features in there like being able to adjust the audio levels and and all this magic in there that that what I've read is supposed to be the dream for for people that shoot video with their dslr now what do, what do you think about that i mean is it like I'm, I'm asking from a position of ignorance i don't know if it is that camera like if i get this d800 can will i instantly turn into a you know a videographer or or, or what well you know it's interesting when the when the videos first started coming into the digital slrs i i thought you know what, what's the deal? You know, <laughs> get a video camera. Keep photography separate. It's two right. different things. But realizing how get off cameras, my lawn, you punk yeah, kids, right? Kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, look, I was hanging upside down at airplanes with a big Ikigami seventy nine A tube camera and a three quarter inch pack twenty years ago, and yeah, here comes a guy down the street with a digital SLR shooting video. But mm-hmm. it was, you know, I realized though, as the low light 
you know, the, the high, the high ISO and the low light and, and that depth of field and 24 frames a second, you can start getting that film look. Um, then, then it kind of clicked, you know, where they were going with these, you know, in this, is the video really going to be that much better than a 5d or, or our 7,000s, um, you know, 1080p is 1080p, but I think this has, you know, the facial recognition and that's been my biggest issue with these. Cause I had the D90 as well. Yeah. And, it's a focus, just trying to keep that thing focused. Yeah, yeah that's what I hear. Um, like the rack focus and follow focus is, yeah. the, is the issue with these cameras. Yeah, and as far as the anti-aliasing, you know, I've answered some questions for people. Um, I'm very familiar with that coming from 3D because if we don't put anti-aliasing on our final renders, you've got all these jaggy edges during the animation um, and so a lot of people aren't aware what that actually is. And it is. It is a filter. It is a, a blurring, essentially. Mm-hmm. It blurs and, the sharp uh, edges, right? Right, yeah. You know, and, and in the computer, sometimes it's a subpixel render, um, depending on what type of algorithm it is. But um, I am the farthest thing from a programmer, so I just, you know, which which one makes it look better? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I click it. Um, so interesting that that's now in the camera an, an option. And um I, I think there's going to be a lot of issues, people ordering the wrong camera and going, oh, my shots look look fuzzy and not knowing what the moray pattern is. and uh, So it's it's going to be interesting to see. But it would be nice if it was just a switch. But uh, I understand they can't do it like that. So, so Derek, what's what's the final word? What's your buying advice? If I'm, if I'm a photographer, I'm a Nikon photographer, and I am sitting on the fence. I've got a D700. This is me, actually. I'm going to describe me. I've got mm-hmm. a D700, and I've got a D7000. And I've got a first-generation D3 that is gathering about an inch of dust on it that I need to convert. Should I sell the D3 that and get like the D800? Or, or what? Or should I just stay put and hold my cards? Boy, I'd have a hard time selling the D three. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's an awfully good camera. Oh, no, you guys, because nobody wants it. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's a, that's that's. A, I'd have a hard time parting, you know, with with that. Gotcha. Especially if it didn't have a lot of um, actuations on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I would just go ahead and and add. I would add the the eight hundred to to the arsenal, and you know maybe lop off a lower end thing i think i would be pretty happy if i was a nikon shooter with uh, one of the 800s and a d3 uh that that feels like a pretty good rig to me yeah so you're saying get rid of the d7000 and uh go with d3 d800 well well it depends i mean the 7000 is lighter though right i love that camera i mean yeah i, I, can't, I yeah. can't part with it it's like a little puppy yeah. i love it so so maybe get rid of a child or something you know, something <laughs> else <laughs> A well, car, sell a car. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I would like to do. Because uh, our D three is is starting to show its age, but it's still like like Derek said, it's a great camera. Ideally, I'd love to replace that with a D four. Oh, get, and, then, and, and then get a D eight hundred. Okay. When I, when I need that extra room, uh, when I want to shoot that, you know, maybe I am doing a landscape, or maybe maybe I'm going to shoot some crazy textures and do something with them. And then I'd send the D3 in to get cleaned, which it desperately needs, and keep that as a backup. Yeah. yeah. My 7000 is my out-of-studio camera, my walk-around camera. Like when I do the, the Kelby – I lead the Kelby photo walks in Chicago. I'm one of the regulars that, that does that. Mm-hmm. That's my walk-around camera just because, hey, you know what? That, that camera in the studio, that, that's the money. Um, so I'm careful about bringing that out. And I would probably sell off the D90. Nice. All right. All right. Here's here's another framing of this question. Derek, I would you, definitely sell the D90. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Derek, you first. If money's no object and you're a Nikon shooter, what's the ideal kit? 
right now. So give me it's, give me the ideal kit with lenses and all that. Oh, if <laughs> oh you're like, God. I don't know about that Nikon I stuff. I don't know, man. <laughs> 85, Okay, all right. So um, I would probably three bodies, uh, 800, the new D4, and 7,000, right, would be the three bodies I want. Yep. L- Got to get the primes, uh, you know, the, the standard primes that we all need. Got to get the, you know, the two. Wait, what, are, uh, what are those standard primes? Because a lot of people are like, what? Which ones? Which ones? <laughs> Well, I I would want a thirty five millimeter prime, yep, fifty millimeter prime, and yep. then uh, you know the uh, eighty five. Got it. Okay. Yeah, got to have the and you know, and I would definitely take a wide if if, uh, if I had room for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I one thing I've been lusting after is just a nice little fisheye or ultra wide. You know, just. Uh, because I, I love no the zooms? shots. I didn't, I didn't hear any zooms in that. No, one. we haven't got to the zooms yet. Oh, okay, and, okay. And then uh, you know, then probably the you know the the zoom configuration that you know that you need. The, was it eighty to two hundred on the on the Nikon side or seventy to two hundred? Seventy seventy two hundred. Yeah. Seventy to two hundred uh, two eight. Right. And then and then your standard zoom. Got it. What about you, Dan? What's your what's your uh, money is no object kit? What what we're shooting right now is D three with a twenty four seventy two eight. So I'd keep that, um, and then we have the the seventy two hundred two eight. So those are my two main, and I have a I have a fifty one four. So I'd keep all those. Um, I'm probably am going to add that eighty five one four this month because I've been lusting after it for mm, a while. Nice. After I got rid of my my Canon uh, eighty five one point two, which which just hurt, and um, yeah, and just uh, those would be that. And then the thirty five does look nice, but I don't know if I necessarily need that. But because I got to tell you that fifty one four is a Oh, four or five hundred dollars, and it's just—it's a fantastic lens for, I know. Uh, for I the ha- money. I have that lens. I love that lens. It's just—it's yeah. insane. And yeah. you know, the cool thing about that lens is because it's stubby, it doesn't—you don't look like a real photographer when you're carrying it around. Well, you know, I got to tell get you, bothered if you you walk around with a seventy-two hundred, you're a real photographer, right? But I got to tell you, that's that's part of my issue with the uh, the D eight hundred. You know, can I get a battery pack so it looks a little meatier? Yeah. I don't see, I'm not seeing that option. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny. I my the D3, which it doesn't have a battery pack, but it's built in that large right. sort of frame. Um, I love that camera and I love the feel of it. But the D7000 without any battery, I have a battery pack for it, but I take it off because I like the the small compactness of that camera. It just sort of fits in your hand, and you know you just whip it around and get shots, throw it into video mode, shoot some video, and keep rolling. I love that thing. So Derek, what about what about what about video? So um, you know, we talked about it a little bit. So in your daily, the the daily travels or the weekly travels of Derek's story, how often are you shooting DSLR video? Well, I shoot video a lot, but you know, most of what I shoot just ends up up on uh, YouTube or Vimeo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not having. I mean, I don't need the the full capabilities that the cameras. Uh, have so i'm usually you know scaling it down to to 720 Mm -hmm. and uh you know and putting it up there trying my best to get some decent sound because a lot of times i'm shooting in these terrible noisy situations but what what are you shooting like what's what's the content uh well like for instance at wppi i'll be uh, working for low pro there and so i'll be shooting videos of photographers professional photographers talking about what they have in their bag oh, okay, you know, what cool. they carry around all yeah. that kind of stuff yep. uh interviewing folks uh at wppi that kind of stuff uh, run it through final cut pro 
10 and then get it posted, you know, that night. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's pretty turnaround stuff. So I don't need, I mean, I want to have audio control. I want to have, you know, sort of the basic tools, but I don't need it to be what a lot of other folks are looking for out of video. I just need good, clean sound, good, clean picture, and then edit it and post it. Yeah. So in the, how are you capturing sound? A couple different ways. Uh, if I can get away with it uh, on the 5D Mark II, I put a lav mic uh, directly into uh, the, the camera itself. Uh, I have a, a Rode shotgun, the Video Pro mic shotgun that I plug right into it. Mm-hmm. If I just can't control things, then I'll use a handheld uh, audio recorder and uh, and then, you know, put it together in, in final cut afterwards. And, you know, you can use, believe it or not, especially if you have an iPhone, uh, the, especially the, the 4S, mm-hmm. you can use an application called iTalk uh, with it. I and talk, uh, like E-Y-E-T-A-L-K? No, I, I like I-T-A-L-K. I okay. Apple. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, you'll, you can't miss it. It's, it's got a, the app has a little red icon. But Believe it or not, uh, F-Stoppers, they did a piece on this. And if you hold the iPhone you know, anywhere near the, the person that's being interviewed, they just hold it, and they use this iTalk application, uh, then you, it syncs up really easily with Final Cut Pro 10, and it works great. You don't have to go mm-hmm. buy a separate recorder. And the audio is far improved over, especially if you're using on-camera mic. Interesting. I have to check that out. Well, let me, yeah. let me, let me tell you what, what I do. So when, when I got the D7000, um, one of the main reasons I got it was because it has an audio in on it. So you can plug a lav mic into it and drive audio. But still, that's not the best way because the audio is, it does some weird things to the audio, which, you know, Alex Lindsay would know what it's doing, but <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but... But I also have a Zoom H4n audio recorder. It's yeah, a, those are very a, nice. Yeah, so what I do is I'll I'll plug my lav mic into that thing and mic the person and record the audio separately from the video. I'll also record the the audio from the camera so that I can have a source to sync to. And then I use a piece of software called Dual Eyes. It's from Singular Software. And it costs 150 bucks and it's all you do is drag both files onto it. You know the audio file from your Zoom and the audio and the video from your camera, and it will replace the audio from your camera with the audio from the Zoom automatically. Boom! Wow. And now you have this like beautiful, bassy, perfect audio in this file. There's one file, and it takes like two seconds to do, and then you're off into the races. So now you have the best of both worlds. So yeah, that's that's fantastic. So you don't have to worry about you don't have to do the clap in front of the, none of that. None of that. It uses that it looks at the waveforms of both files and matches it up frame accurately, and boom. And you could you could say you know render replace the audio of my original video file with the audio from the zoom or give me a new file or whatever, but it'll do whatever you want and you're done. You're off into the races. You got this perfect audio. So you, know, I would definitely you should, you that. should make that your pick of the week, Frederick done. Cause I don't have one. That's my pick of the that, week. That, that, that's, that's a good one. That's a darn good one. Yeah. I will make that my pick of the week. Cool. 
All right. So, uh, Dan, did you have anything else to add on the audio, on the video side of the? No, not necessarily, because you guys are doing a little more serious. I am. Our video end of it is just uh, kind of behind the scenes stuff, you know, to help promote the studio and capture a, a high school senior shoot or something like that that we're going to mix in with with music. So, not uh, getting into audio, but we did um, a training video for for GoPro mm-hmm. and. Um, Shot the whole thing with the D seven thousand and just plugged in, just to plug the mic straight into it, and uh, it was okay because it was in little bits. But I would imagine, you know, all the years in video, I would see audio slip after a while. Right, right. You know, and and I think if we were doing longer bits, I'd I'd have to go with that separate setup like you had there. So yeah, and it's and it's easy. I got to tell you, it is really easy to do it. I thought it, I thought it was going to be all complicated because I remember back in the day when you were. You remember the like I forget what it was called. Oh, there's this this big audio or video editing system that you had to get before the IMAX showed up that with iMovie you had to like build all this stuff, media composer, video toaster, video video toaster, toaster. media avid media composer, all this stuff and you'd still have audio sync problems. So I still have those those ghosts in my head when I think about <laughs> trying to get my audio to match up when it's really easy have, now. Uh, I still have Dr. Toaster in my head. Oh, I had a man. column in uh, Video Toaster User Magazine, and I was Dr. Toaster wow. <laughs> back, in, back in the toaster days. Yeah, That's amazing. I wanted one of those. Remember the Amiga? Oh. I got one in my garage. You can come get it. <laughs> an Amiga? Really? <laughs> I got an Amiga in my garage. I did. That's crazy. Yeah. That's where I started doing all the animation work, 1989. Wow. I was on Amiga, yeah. I used to lust after the Amiga, but I only had a Commodore 64. That's a whole other show entirely. (laughs) It is. All right, guys. Before we continue, I want to give a nod to one of our sponsors. This Week in Photo is brought to you by Hover. And Hover is all about making domain registration very simple. So basically, what they aim... So every, every problem needs a solution, right? And so... They focused on the problem of domain registration and how complicated it's become over the years. So you go, you go register, you go to some website to register a domain that you had in your mind. First, you got to search and find it to make sure it's available. And then from the time that you find it's available to the time that it's yours, it's like 50 clicks and all these upsells and left sells and fear and <laughs> uncertainty. And, oh, you want to protect your name and your address from weird people? You got to pay this much. And all this crazy stuff that these domain registration companies barrage us with and all these offers. And when, when you really – all you wanted to do was register frederickvan.com or something. You know, You just wanted to get that domain and sit on it until you get ready for it. So what Hover did is they came in, they said, okay, that's, there's a problem, let's fix it, and they fixed it. So they basically came in, they don't sell you a whole bunch of services, they don't sell you any services. They say, okay, you want this domain, this is how you get it, click, 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 and it's yours, right? They focus on making it easy to register and manage, manage those domains. So if you manage like, I don't know, five or six domains, you go in, there's an easy to use control panel where you can manage where they're pointing to, all this stuff. If you have email associated with that domain, you can manage that there, all this stuff. And the cool thing about Hover, I think, is is kind of next generation. Um, they have this no-hold policy for customer service calls Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern. So basically what they're promising is if you call them, say you have a problem, you know, you're registering, for some reason you can't get you know, the digital story.com for some, you don't know why, you know, you can't get it. If you call them up, that's cause I have it. <laughs> that's what they'll tell you. But if you call them up, you'll get a live person who won't put you on hold. They promise they're not going to put you on hold. So they do the laundry list of things that they do is just really long. Everything from 
setting up email addresses, forwarding email addresses, redirecting, redirecting your domain to another website, extensions, controlling your privacy, all this stuff. So it's really, really cool. Definitely check it out. Just hop over to your website. Um, if you need a, a new domain, I would suggest using our code. If you go to hover.com slash twip, that's hover.com, H-O-V-E-R.com slash twip, um, you'll get 10% off. Uh, if you decide to, or 10% off the fee to register that domain. So definitely use that. But regardless, just check them out. I, I, I admire Hover just for looking at, you know, from a marketing standpoint, they, look at a, they looked at a problem and they saw how it could be streamlined and made easier for people that don't want to be barraged with a car salesman type uh, marketing. And you just want to get in, get a domain and get out. And that's what they do. So check them out. Hover.com slash twip. All right, guys. The next story that we're going to talk about on the show is Adobe. So, uh, Derek, you remember a while back, we, I, I don't know if you were on that show, but we were talking about Adobe and they had introduced subscription, the subscription program for the Creative yeah. Suite, where you could pay a fee and then you get access to the, to the Creative Suite. Now, they've announced this thing called the Creative Cloud for 50 bucks a month with a minimum of a one-year agreement you get access to the latest versions of in CS6 and Lightroom 4 without buying the box version. So you, do, you download all this stuff. So look at, looking at it looks like they're kind of following in Apple's footsteps with dis, digital distribution of software, like with the iTunes store and all that, or the App Store. But Adobe saying this is a subscription model. So for 15 bucks a month, you can get access to all this stuff rather than putting this gigantic charge on your credit card. So Derek, you first. What is this is this a good deal cuz we did some math. I mean, if you look in the show notes, we did some math on this. And I don't know if it's necessarily good for the people that don't plan on upgrading all the time, but it seems like it might be tasty for the folks that upgrade um regularly. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're on the on the right track there. I, I was wondering, are, are they going to call it C Cloud? You know, or, you know, just, <laughs> you know, just I mean, Creative Cloud takes a long time to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we need a we need a shorthand there. But I, you know, I think in uh, on the show actually when we talked about it before, I think it's good if like if you do what I do, if, if you're a business owner and you're trying to have a budget, you know, that you're running in, you know, so this is a planned expense, $50 a month. Uh, I know, you know, I can put it in the budget for all 12 months. I know how much I'm going to spend. Uh, it's it, at the end of the year, it's a write-off for me uh, yeah. because it's a business expense. And then I get, I get the updates right away on, uh, on any of the software that I'm using uh, in the master suite or, or Lightroom. And so that part's pretty cool. And I don't have to think about it, right? It's, it's just there. The uh, 20 gigabytes of storage, I think that depends on how it's implemented. Mm-hmm. You know, is it, is it easy to use? Is it fast? You know, all those kind of things. We wonder how versatile is it? Will I have access to it from my mobile devices? You know, all that, all that kind of stuff that you wonder about, about cloud storage. So I think for a business person, it's probably uh, a pretty good thing. Yeah, I think uh, for, but for the it, average guy. So I'm, I, yeah. I kind of paint myself as the average guy, and I'm I still on that, CS3 right now. Do I? I think I have CS4. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't even matter. I mean, because I use like a sixteenth of the power of Photoshop in my daily photo editing. The yeah. rest is in Lightroom. So for the, do I need this? Do I need to be shelling out fifty bucks a month for this? 
you probably don't. Because you know what I feel like, Derek. I feel like it's like probably when I when, when I looked at the, when I looked at the the rundown of what you get for this, I was thinking this is kind of like, you know, there's a large family. Say there's a large family there, and the daughter is the hot daughter, and all you want to do is date that <laughs> hot daughter. But in order to date her, you got to get the whole family. <laughs> so you need the brother, the dad, the mom, and all that. Even though they're they're not going to do anything for you, you well, need that's the sort whole... of like real life, isn't it, Frederick? Well, if you marry, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. But what if you just want the daughter? You you know, I'd be willing oh, to pay yeah. more for the daughter. Well, who's of age, by the way? She's I'm, like I'm twenty, sure gonna, thirty, something like that. I'm not sure I'm going to work with that uh, very much, but but I do get your point, and I do think uh, it's a good point. Which is, if you're not doing this for a business, if you don't necessarily go with every upgrade, and especially if you're a Lightroom user, I don't really think anymore that you need every Photoshop upgrade. And you know, and I, and I don't mean any disrespect to the folks at Adobe, but what used to drive for me, the Photoshop upgrades was I needed the new camera raw profiles, right? You know, in that stuff. Well, now with Lightroom, you know, you can keep up on Lightroom. It doesn't cost as much, and uh, you can you get all the, the same raw profiles that that you would have gotten before. So I think if you're a Lightroom user, keep up on Lightroom. It doesn't cost uh, doesn't cost that much money, and then just upgrade Photoshop as needed, and you'll save yourself uh, quite a bit of money. So I think it's geared towards those folks that that you know more of the business and uh, possibly some academics things like that mm-hmm. but uh, probably not you frederick yeah yeah cuz i'm you know i just i shoot so what about you dan you got you have an you have a studio mm-hmm. and you know you have fixed expenses and all that stuff does this fit in i mean if if do you do you need to be absolutely positively current on the latest version of the adobe creative suite and you'd be willing to shell out 50 bucks a month to do to make sure it, that you're current yeah, it's it's a tough one because um, number one, I'm a certified software junkie, um, so I, I you know have been using you know I I love staying current and seeing what's new and clicking around you know and it's um, yeah you always want to upgrade and mm-hmm. I had um, I did a, a book for Peachpit on Photoshop um, on CS4 and with that I got the whole collection which was great thank you yeah. um, but when CS5 came out you know that that upgrade. As well as it was worth, it was still a thousand dollars, and I'm like, you know, I really don't use all of it, mm-hmm. so I I just got my Photoshop upgrade, um, and because I do training videos on it and teach people, it's it is important to stay current. But part of you know our business too is really watching the monthlies because that's where you can get nailed. We had uh, some studio management software which will remain nameless that worked fine, but at thirty nine dollars a month after two and a half years, I went, wait a minute. We've just spent like three grand to get into the software, and it's not it's not like an Adobe where it's constantly upgraded and things are being added. So what am I really paying for? Right. Uh, so we completely switched systems. We spent nine hundred dollars and we bought something new and we're done. No more monthlies. Uh, so that's something I, I'm I'd be I'm still on the fence with it. You know, I kind of it's kind of like are you going to lease a car? And then after three years, you release it and you're always paying. Right. Or you're just going to buy it outright and, and just enjoy it and have that peace of mind. Um, so I think for everybody, it's got to be more of a personal decision of how they use software, uh, whether it is business or personal, and if they can afford it or not. Um, I think it's a neat alternative, but I like what I really enjoy right now is the App Store. Um, you know, on my desktop where I can, you know, when I bought 
the wonderful new Final Cut Pro. Uh, and, and are you motion. saying that tongue in cheek? Or are you saying that seriously? Uh, anyway, <laughs> and uh, he's being facetious, ladies and gentlemen. No, it's it's actually it's actually really nice. It's just we had to go back to Final Cut Seven for a few things, which again, see again, another show, as a whole show. other show. But you know, just for the record, I love Final Cut Ten. You know, I, I do too. It. Awesome. I do too. But just some of our older pro- projects, we we had to go back. But anyway, it's nice that when I reformat it or I put a new drive in, I click that button, I re-download it, and you know what? I'm not worried about you know all my licenses inactive again, and and it knows it. It knows my system, and it lets me log in. And I really like that feature that I don't have to worry about. I can put it on my laptop if I want. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think cloud computing is is. In its infancy, of course, and we need to see how all this kind of plays out. Well, here's an, here's another perspective to this. So here's here's Adobe offering the Creative Cloud for CS6 Lightroom 4 with 20 gigs of storage for 50 bucks a month, right? Okay. For that 50 bucks a month, I'm looking in the App Store, and there's all kinds of cool apps that are showing up. Now, I love Adobe. I used to work for Adobe. I love Adobe to death. I love their software. I love the way they do business. You know, I think they're... You know, inside the company, there are just just people that have forgotten more about technology than I'll ever know. I mean, it's just a smart group of people and software that's that is that's done more for the world than we'll ever know. Right? Everything you look at is probably created with Adobe software. Mm-hmm. You know, so but then you look at the App Store, and I'm thinking. You know, on the one hand, what I've been telling people is, you know, if you're cash strapped, you could probably get by with Lightroom and Photoshop elements. You know, as a photographer, Mm -hmm. you could probably get most of the stuff you need done. Then when you hit the ceiling, then you can think about jumping into Photoshop or the creative suite. But to start and to make some really killer stuff, you could start with those two things. And then you look over at the App Store and there's all these one-off applications in there to do all these amazing things from stitching panoramas to HDR to... You know, merging group shots to make one good group shot from five, you know, bad group shots. All this stuff. So, and, uh, Derek, P- Pixelmator, have you used that? Yeah, and Pixelmator. Yeah, so like twenty nine dollars. Yeah, exactly. So, how does so how does that work? How does that fit in? I want to ask both of you guys. How does that fit in? Should if you're you don't have all the money in the world, and fifty bucks a month means you know one less meal or. Or say your daughter can't take ballet lessons if you <laughs> you start paying for this this yeah. piece of software. What are the alternatives, Derek? What do you think? Well, I think you guys are right about the App Store, and if you're on the Mac platform, and I have to tell you, I I even take it a step further. When I'm out in the world and I learn about an app for the Mac, first thing I do is instead of buying it directly from the developer site. Uh, I go to the app store and see if it's mm-hmm. available in there. Yep. And if it's available there, I'll buy it there because I love the way that, you know, as Dan was describing, I love the process uh, where they mm-hmm. just sort of handle all the headache for you. Yeah. And then I just go to another machine and I just say, yeah, yeah, I want to install it on there too. And boom, off it goes. It. So I think, uh, I think that is the way of the future. And right. I think as we, we begin to see uh, more apps uh, that, that, do a lot of these functionalities or, or bring, them, bring together a package of functionalities, I think that's very tempting. And in fact, you know, when we get to our pick of the week, I'm going to talk about uh, one uh, that Corel just released that puts together a lot of really nice stuff in an app that you can get for 79 bucks. So guys, what's, what's the bottom line? So 
we've got we've got options, which is great, you know. So I applaud Adobe for giving us options on how to how to acquire software and Apple out there with the App Store, so we can buy things and small things piecemeal. But what what's the bottom line? If I'm I'm just I'm painting the picture. I'm just a photographer. I shoot models from time to time. I do photo walks. I do you know I go out and shoot landscapes. I travel. All this stuff. What's the ideal software package for me? What do I need, Derek? What do you think? Um, I think I would recommend you go buffet, which buffet? is okay. yeah, you go buffet and and not not go with uh, C Cloud. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. What about you, Dan? What do you, yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that. And, you know, you have to maybe analyze your type of work and what you really need because looking at that $50 a month, what is it going to get you? And just, just last night, my wife and I were talking about these new cameras. And she's kind of rolling her eyes at, the, oh, my God, you know, $6,000 for the D4. And I said, well, hold on. You know, 5000 was a D3. We bought that in 2007. Look at how much money that has made over the next three, four years. So, you know, you have to look at also as as a business investment, you know, that Photoshop, what is it going to do for you for your prints where somebody comes in and they get that and print and you've taken the wrinkles out of their eyes and yeah, you use right. a little liquefy in the mom's chin and you've done a few things like that. How much is that return going to be worth for that $50? Yep. Um, with that said, you know, for a lot of people, Lightroom, you buy ImageNomic portraiture as a plug-in and you, you know, I, th- I think Lightroom's cropping is excellent compared to you know how it is in photoshop just um, the user interface you mean? just yeah. no the actual cropping tool itself the way oh, you can, okay, can rotate and and do it much easier than in photoshop but and of course lightroom 4 what's coming in there that mixed with a couple of plugins for lightroom you know if you're not doing some heavy edits you can do pretty much everything in lightroom and um, you know, save Photoshop for for when you're really serious. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I I was watching this video from Brian O'Neill Hughes. He's a product, a Photoshop product manager, and he was demonstrating the new content aware fill that might be coming in a in a future version of Photoshop. Yeah, I saw that video. Yeah, and I was like, it's just amazing. You know, just the the pixel manipulation algorithms that Adobe has in place are just amazing. And then I, so I looked at that and then honestly what I did was I pulled out my iPhone and I booted up the calculator. I'm like, okay, what, 50 bucks a month divided by 31. How much would that be a day? <clears throat> I like every day, how much would I be paying? And that came out to just over a dollar sixty, right? So a dollar sixty a day and I would have access to all of the, the latest and greatest Adobe software. So from that standpoint, it's really tempting. You know, yeah, but. especially uh, let's you know, and you're talking about After Effects as well. There's many times I've needed Illustrator for product. Yeah, you get projects. everything, not just Photoshop. You get so, After Effects, InDesign, all that stuff. So you know, and that's it's really tempting. Um, yeah. But now, are they not letting you buy it outright? Or I don't know. Just, I don't know. I don't know, Derek. You know, we have to dig deeper. But, but Derek, what what are you going to do? So when this launches, are you going to be a subscriber? Or are you going to continue to buy a la carte? I'm going to go a la carte. Uh, I don't. I'm to the point now where I don't have to have the latest version of Photoshop all the time, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm okay. I can go like every other one, and there are apps in the master suite that are that are handy. But you know, I, I love Lightroom. I love Aperture. I love a couple of the other apps that I'm using. Uh, I'm I'm a Final Cut 10 guy myself, so yeah. you know I'm doing great there. And it's it's really the last update shows that Apple's really serious mm-hmm. about developing it. So I I'm pretty happy right now. Yeah, cool. What about you, Dan? Are you, uh, yeah. you a subscriber or a la carte? 
Um, I think I'm going to go all card as well because uh, I like yeah the the latest update for Final Cut was nice with multicam. Um, I've I just finished six videos in Motion, uh, in Motion Five, which I love the new Motion, and really honestly have gotten away from After Effects. And the one reason I'd go into it are for some of the plugins that are still available. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would keep up with Photoshop, but um, you know, and I still use my CS4 Illustrator. I don't. Right. I don't really need to do much more than that. Yeah, I mean the tools were the tools were really strong five years ago. I mean, it's it's. I go. It goes back to what we were talking about with the cameras. With yeah, not not that I'm a luddite and I'm like looking at technology and like being oh whatever you know. But it's like the the tools that we had. Like if you rewind back to the Ansel Adam days and the tools that he had, he did some he did some work with the tools that he had yeah. that surpasses what people with tools today far surpass anything he could have dreamt about having and it's on the consumer level so you look at all the things that we have available to us and we're still complaining you know on the software side and the hardware side all that and it's just like okay just get out there and shoot you know you know i I have to tell you something i saw an interview with annie Leibowitz about her new book that she had out where she was doing landscapes yeah uh and she was on david letterman and he asked her he goes well what do you think about all this technology because he's kind of an anti-tech guy and i really thought for sure she'd be on the same lines with him and she goes i love it i love the software and the digital and mm-hmm. i was actually surprised to hear that that she's embraced it so uh yeah she loves it, her iphone she loves yeah her i saw yeah, that so, i saw that yeah. her the quote about her and her iphone yeah it's crazy and you know just back to your ansel adams point if uh, Ansel was here today, you know he would be he'd be using all the state of the art stuff. He yep. he loved he loved moving photography forward. So totally, I agree. Yeah, I, yeah. I had a I did an interview a while back with his son Michael Adams, and I I asked him. I said, "What if your dad was here today?" And you know, considering the tools that are available, Photoshop and you know these digital SLRs, what would he be shooting with? And he said his dad would have been in love with the technology mm-hmm. and would have loved cool. the stuff and would have been reveling in it because he was that kind of guy. Is all you know? I think we have to look back at the interview and maybe we'll link to it in the show notes. But what he said was um, generally speaking that it was all about the image and the the path of, of yeah. least resistance to get the image was the important thing, not the gear that you're using to get it. Who cares? You know, it's great that technology's here and it's advancing and we got all this cool stuff. So you use whatever the best tool, the sharpest knife that's available to you is the one that you're going to use. Well, you know, I've, I've taught uh, quite a few photography classes and, you know, we go around the city of Chicago and what I like to do is tape up their LCD panel, bring a tiny little memory card. And say you have 36 shots, take the shots just the way we learned on film all those years ago. Yeah. And then once they get comfortable with that, Okay, now you can start reviewing your images and everything else, but learn to shoot like we did. And I think that that's a good way for people to get into it, too, to kind of understand their composition better and their exposure better. Uh, and, you know, use that process more than the digital and then just ease into it. Damn, that sounds like a wax on, wax off sort of <laughs> workshop. <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> Awesome. All right, guys, it is time for some listener Q&A. This is a segment where our guests answer questions that have come in from our audience via various pipelines, where there be our forums, our Facebook group, Google+, Twitter, etc. So if you'd like, listener, if you'd like to submit your questions for future shows, just use the hashtag TWIPQuestions, and uh, we will 
pick your question, hopefully, and answer it on the show. Question number one is from Twitter. It comes from Richard Simcoe. He says, I'm wondering how many lenses of the current Nikon lineup will be able to take advantage uh, or full advantage of the 36 megapixel sensor. Hmm. Uh, let's, let's go with you first, Derek. What do you think? I mean, I don't know. When I look at this, I'm like, it's it's a 35 millimeter sensor. So the same ones that will have take advantage of the old sensor will be able to take advantage of this one. It's not a different size. It's a different spacing between the elements, correct? I think what he's probably going after here is that, you know, as as the sensors become better, then lenses that we used to think are great, you know, we start mm. we start to see some of their flaws mm. a little bit, mm-hmm. and I think he he might be going down that road there, right, right. and uh, I think it will be interesting to see which lenses are the lenses that photographers go, wow, you know, I didn't know that this lens was that good. So you throw, uh, a, you throw a kit lens on the D800, you'll yeah. see that it's a kit lens. Right? You, you, you will. You will. Yeah. So I think it's going to be fun, but I, I think it's, it's going to take some time for that to shake out would be my guess. Yeah. What about you? Got anything to add to that, uh, Dan? No, I, I think Derek's right on. I think, yeah, the quality of the glass um, will just be more apparent when you're, when you're seeing a shot that large, which is why I'm going to have to get that 85, I think. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. good, You're convincing yourself into that. I am. I am. By the by the end by the end of the show, he's going to have his credit card out. You probably have the, the B and H yeah. page up yeah. right now. Your finger on the I submit did, button. Right? I did yesterday, as a matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Question number two comes from the Twip forums. It's from user JC Renau, and JC says, "How important is a full frame sensor to a wedding photographer? Should I stick with the crop sensor and get a D seven thousand, or should I invest in a D seven hundred or D eight hundred? What about you? What do you think, Dan? Um, you know, I think it depends on the quality of the wedding they're doing. You know, a lot of guys I know are kind of just you know spray and pray and got the flash going. The quality uh, of the wedding mean if it's attractive, an attractive bride or not? <laughs> no, attractive sorry, bride? sorry. <laughs> just you know, it, uh, you know, it depends on the level that they're shooting at. Gotcha. Um, for instance, like uh, Jeff and Julia Woods here in Illinois, about three hours from us, just do beautiful, amazing wedding work. I mean, yeah, they do. You know, it's crazy. Just beautiful artistic work and something like that. I think you'd want raw and you'd want it. Um, you know, as best possible. Whereas there's others, which and there's nothing wrong with it. They're lower budget. Um, they're JPEGs. They're not. They're not processing. They're not. They're not really retouching. They're just kind of shoot and burn. Um, and they can have a lot more storage. Uh, shooting, you know, high quality JPEGs versus the raw. And uh, I think it just depends on where you're at as far as you know that kind of level of, of a wedding shooter. Got it. Yeah. What about so you, Derek? I, what about you? I mean, is it full frame or crop sensor? Does it matter if you're shooting weddings? It, it does. Uh, I think it depends on how you shoot. Um, you know, wedding photographers, they fall into a couple different categories in terms of style, too. And there are those photographers that love shooting editorial, existing light, wide open, you know, where they just focus on, you know, just the bride or just the the flower girl or something. And everything else just kind of goes, you know, soft and creamy and all that. Mm-hmm. And if you shoot that way, I think you should you should get the full sensor because, you know, that way uh, when you open up those lenses, you have a lot more control over the look of your shots. If uh, you're shooting more with a flash and, you know, you you just have depth of field in all of your shots and you don't really kind of care about that as much, then I don't think it makes as, as much difference. Either way, though, I would definitely shoot raw for everything because a wedding, 
you've got black tuxedos and you've yeah. got white gowns and you've got to recover shadow detail and highlight detail and uh, just just whatever you use shoot raw and uh you know learn how to use lightroom and aperture <laughs> Well, how, do, how does the, how does that argument stick to say video? Because I know a lot of wedding shooters are tasked with shooting video now, or at least video clips. So, does full frame or crop sensor factor in there, or does it does it matter? In the same sort of way, right? It, you know, if you're if you want to shoot a romantic video, right, uh, mm-hmm. where it has some you know it has a cinematic feel to it then uh, i'm going to want the larger sensor and i'm going to want to open up my lenses and you know and and really work with that so uh it would make a difference to me shooting video also got it perfect all right let's move on to question number 3 this is from rick the prof and he sends this question in via the twip website he said with mobile me going away in July, do you have a recommendation for an online photo storage alternative? He's looking for selective viewer access, meaning I'm assuming so you can password to different galleries and a seamless or painless upload from his Mac. Dan, what, what do you think? You have any, any Boy, suggestions? you know, um, I don't. I don't know too many offhand. Um, I think Zenfolio still does that. Um, we just right now, we, we do our own uh, and put it up for people to share. Um, and we're still using the mobile me, um, which is now trans- transitioned to iCloud. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, Derek might have a little, few more options. Now, are, you using, are you using mobile me or iCloud for your client galleries or do you do, you do client galleries? We rarely. If we do an executive portrait, we will. Um, certain times there's, there's, you know, really tough pregnancies and the mom can't get back in for a review. If we do maternity, we'll put it online at our site, um, with a private gallery for that. Um, and we are using a a blue domain site, but I, I switch them all the time, but everything else is in, in studio projected. What What about you, Derek? You have any thoughts on this? Yeah. Yeah, I do actually. So I'm, I'm assuming that he uses, uh, iPhoto or Aperture or something, you know, where he's connecting, and uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that when the next version of Aperture comes out, which won't be very long, I don't think, mm-hmm. that that question will be answered. I, I think there's a reason why MobileMe didn't go away right away and that they said, well, yeah, a year from now it'll go away. And I think that's all part of the roadmap. I think there will be an answer to the mobile me thing it'll be an iCloud answer and it'll be additional functionality and all the stuff that that currently hooks in I think will hook in in the next version and there'll probably be some wrinkles that we we can't even guess right now awesome. so so I my personal feeling I use mobile me all the time because I I put client galleries up for everyone that I shoot uh, I, I'm not even worried about it because I'm pretty sure that they're gonna uh, offer that solution for us you know what I want to I'll, – I'll throw two things in from my, my standpoint. So one, and the service that I've been using for I don't know how many years now has been SmugMug. Um, it's a paid service, sure. but you can upload and set pricing and access to individual galleries. So if you're shooting – say you shoot a wedding with you know XYZ Bride, mm-hmm. you can upload all your images in there and say, oh, well, they, they probably have some money. So they're going to get my price list number one. You know, then you shoot another wedding where, you know, the people don't have that much money. So they get your $500 price tag. You can, you can control all that on the back end and it's all username and password managed. And SmugMug has been around for a while. So 
you know, they kind of know what yeah. they're doing. Yeah, so, I used them in the very beginning. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 awesome. they're very, they're very good. They're yeah. very good. If I was shooting weddings, still, uh, I would definitely have Smug Mug account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I put them, I put them at the at the top. Now at the at the, I wouldn't say at the bottom, but I I kind of put at the the ground level would be for me is Dropbox, and a lot of people don't know, but oh, if you're using Dropbox. I know Derek is groaning. You Dropbox, you can put that your, was me. <laughs> you can put oh, that you can put your images in a photos folder on Dropbox, and it automatically generates. Or as, as Steve used to say, it automatically generates a gallery that you can then send that link out, and then it's already formatted, and people can just look and page through the images there. And all you've done was on your Mac drag a bunch of JPEGs into a folder and send out a link, and it's done. So Dan, what, what what was the groan about? Do you have you had some you know, bad experiences? It still confuses me, <laughs> the Dropbox, because files can very easily. When I've worked with clients, they they move them and they delete them. Oh right, right, um, right, right. So I, I, you know, but that's that's on shared folder. So with a with a yeah. with with your photos folder, that's not shared. So they can't have access to it. You're just putting okay. folders in there or images in there and sharing the link. And what then I would it just do do like on the back end, it's building the gallery for you. Yeah, and that's okay. I, I like a little more presentation with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, For quick you know, stuff I, like like, hey, look at me, I'm on Mount Rushmore. Wrong. You know that kind of stuff. It's fun. But you know, they, they, <laughs> they can, which one are you standing on there, Frederick? Which head on there, right? Um, oh, well, the photoshopped image of my face on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> but you could use something like Picasa, yeah, which has been around forever. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, Mac and PC and. You know, you could drop it right in there, and they can suddenly have it on their computer. If you're gonna, you know, if you don't want to use Dropbox, that's a, a nice alternative. Yep, yep, yeah. There's, there's definitely some issues with Dropbox. In fact, I was talking with a friend of mine a couple of days ago. We were talking about the. This is a whole nother show, but we were talking about uh, legalities around your Dropbox folder, and you know, I'd invite. Uh, it, if Dropbox, if any of you guys are listening, definitely please email me and come on the show. But basically, what I've come to understand is that anything that goes in your Dropbox folder is preserved in perpetuity and is admissible in court. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. I got, I got to go. (laughs) Exactly. Even if, but no, that's the problem, right? So if you put something in there right now and then you hear this podcast and you're like, well, I better get that questionable item out of my Dropbox. You can delete it, but it's still there and they can go back in time in court and say, okay, let's go look at your Dropbox from, say, November of 1997, you know, and see what you had in there. And uh, you, you're you pretty much screwed. So I want to I talk to the Dropbox folks. If you're listening to this podcast, please contact me um, because that that's, that's a game changer. Just, no, anything that leaves your computer, it's always out there. It's out there forever. Even yeah. if you delete it, it's out there. Even on, yeah. especially on Facebook, you know. Yes. Yeah. Scary. Scariness. I'm that's that's why Frederick, you have to learn how to strip the metadata out of your photos <laughs> that you don't want tracked back to you. No, that's why I'm keeping everything local on my local drives here. You know, but see, there's another problem because then it's you know what happens if if something bad happens at my house and now I lose all my data. Ah, oh, there's got to be a solution. Someone needs to come up with a solution for this. All right, uh, guys, before we continue, I want to just put a, a, a note. There's a note in the show notes for me to, to mention this. But I want to, we're at the beginning of every year, we try to get feedback from the TWIP listeners about how the show is going, 
you know, what guests we have on. Do they like them? Do they want different guests? Are we having too much of a certain kind of genre of photography or not enough? Or we talk too much about Nikon or Canon or Sony or whatever. Whatever you think. We've Please. been talking a lot about Nikon today. I well, just want to vote right there. Well, you know, like I was saying, you know, we were talking about Nikon photographers and Canon cameras, right? So, so if you have any thoughts that you'd like to share with us about the show, how you'd like the show to – how we can make the show better. We're all ears. On this particular blog post for this show, every show has its own little blog post or show notes. Please sound off in the comments and let us know what you think. You know, we read everything and uh, we take a lot of it to heart. Just uh, be advised that there are a lot of you out there. <laughs> so we can't, we can't possibly please everybody, but we can definitely, if we see trends and patterns in the chaos, we can guide the ship in that direction. So please sound off in the comments. All right, guys, here's my favorite part of the show. This is the time where uh, each guest gets to give their pick of the week. And remember, a pick can be software, hardware, gear, workshop, whatever, as long as it is somehow related, even tangentially, to photography. Uh, Dan, I'm going to let you go first, since you oh, are the, the guest of honor and you haven't been on ever. No. Which, what's your no, pick of the week? pick of the week. Oh, you know. You got to pull one out of I'm, the air? <laughs> I'm not going to do the D800. No. Uh, that's just too obvious. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's something stupid, um, but it's fun. It's Magic Window that I found on the App Store. Uh, and it's a window. little. Yeah, it's called Magic Window. And um, you download it, and it puts these amazing photographs on your screen, but they will change over time. Like as your desktop? As your desktop, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So on a Mac, yeah, the, uh, through the App Store on the Mac, uh, Magic Window, it's a time lapse desktop. Now, are these images curated? Because that could get ugly. <laughs> uh, no, they got Speaking of legal uh, things, you could like, hey, honey. Uh... No, no, they're they're landscapes or city cityscapes, and it's just really neat because they're uh, you can set the timing of the time lapse and um, set how much of your processor it's using and whether it's using all or none, and it's uh, you know just when you want to get away from your from your software and your Lightroom and just look at a pretty scene. Very cool. All right. Magic window on the App Store. We'll link to that in the show notes. Definitely. All right, Derek, what is your pick? I know it has something to do with Corel, like you mentioned. It does, actually. Um, Aftershot Pro, and this is a software that I don't think is on a lot of people's radar right now. Did you know about it, Frederick? I did not know about this. See? See? This is a perfect example. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Maybe it's a reflection on their marketing department. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been out for years. No. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's pretty new. Uh, it's based on uh, Bibble. And, uh, and what, what they've done here is uh, I think it's kind of neat and gutsy, too, because, I mean, they're going right at the heart of the Lightroom Aperture uh, folks. And uh, they've out, it's a raw processor. That is a non-destructive workflow. It has a lot of the things that, that we see in Aperture and Lightroom. But uh, one of the things that I really like about it is that you don't have to, to bring things into a catalog if you don't want. You could just plug uh, a memory card right into your computer, pull it up, work on it uh, non-destructively and everything, then save the file off and send it to somebody. Or if you're using Pogo Plug or something in a network drive, you can just pull up those pictures and work on it. Nice. It just gives you a lot of flexibility. They have probably the nicest uh, implementation of layers that I've seen uh, in terms of just ease of use. So you actually have 
non-destructive layer uh, metaphor there in the application. And then on the plugins, uh, they give you uh, Noise Ninja as part of it. They, you get a Noise Ninja plugin. Oh, wow. uh, uh, but the unlike, uh, let's say, with Aperture, where you have to round trip in order to use a plugin, so you know you send it out a TIFF file and, it, and this large file comes back and everything into the library, they do it in, right inside the app. So you don't end up with these, you know, you can use a plug-in and you don't end up with these super large uh, files and duplication. So it's just a, a really fun app. And it's, it's, for me, it's not replacing uh, Lightroom or Aperture, but it's augmenting them. And I'll tell you what it's replacing for me is uh, Bridge Adobe Camera Raw mm-hmm. because that's what I used to use on my quick turnaround stuff. I yeah. plug a card in, open it up in Bridge, use Adobe Camera Raw, da-da-da. Uh, Aftershot does it. Uh, much nicer, and if you it, you can download it for thirty days for free, and uh, play with it, it's not uh, crippled at all. And then if you like it, they have like a little. If you have Lightroom or Aperture, and they don't even check it, uh, you can get it for seventy nine bucks. Oh, cool! Yeah, interesting. So what my my brain is working on right now is like I know I can get Lightroom for. What ninety bucks right now? I think it's eighty nine, ninety bucks from Amazon or B and H or something. I, I saw it for sixty nine bucks for Lightroom it's, three. Yeah, see, it's pretty, it's pretty cheap. That's like some coffee or something. So, you're saying this augments Lightroom? So for quick, quick one off tasks, it's I, like I why? Think- why would I use this? In other words, why would I use that piece of software rather than jumping into Lightroom? Well, here's here's something I run into a lot, and I don't know if it would be an issue for you, but let's say I just do a shoot, you know, boom, and uh, let's say it's an event, and the client needs five shots right now to put up on Facebook or their website or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll just plug the card in, and uh, Aftershot's really nice. I'll just pull those up, do the raw processing, uh, get them really nice, get them to the client, and then later on, uh, you know, after the event's over, then I'll take those same cards and I'll catalog them in my regular photo management thing mm-hmm. and do all the keywording and, you know, all the stuff that, that we normally do. Yeah. So I really like it for just, you know, quick turnaround stuff when I just want to work on, you know, one or two pictures quickly. Nice. Got it. Cool. And how much is it? 99, but you can get it for 79, you said? You can get it for 79. Yeah, just you just click on the button that says that you have Lightroom or Aperture, which most of us do by now, have yeah. one or the other. Right, right. Just not have both. both. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Yeah, it's it's really worth look. If nothing else, download it for thirty days and play with it. Uh, Isn't that know. great? I mean, I love that in this day. Yeah. Remember, remember yeah. back in the olden days. Remember when you had to go to software stores to buy software, uh, oh remember software etc. and all that, and you had to go in there and like look at the box and read the back and hope they didn't lie and get home <laughs> and install it and then yeah. be mildly disappointed. Now yeah. in this age, you can download stuff. When you get the whim and play with it for 30 days, and if it's right, it's right. I love that. That's, that's one of the downfalls of the App Store, though, is yes. that you know you're you know if this if you go to the manufacturer's website and they don't have a trial, you're kind of like, all right, I'm just basing this on reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're buying stuff, so so you know what I do on that. I go if there is a, a free download, I I do that from the manufacturer's website. Play with it. If I decide I want to buy it. Then I get rid of it. I go back to the App Store, buy it in the App Store. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> See? The techniques. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right, guys. So my pick of the week, like Derek, 
like you know coerce me into making my this is a good one frederick you got to do this it's dual eyes yeah dual Uh eyes from singular software i'm I'm surprised that more people don't know about this so but i have another one to add on to dual eyes because it's it's a more than one process so so dual eyes like i was saying or earlier in the show is this piece of it's a small piece of software you install on your computer you drag two files onto it one of them's an audio file one of them's a movie file and it will replace the audio and sync it to the frame to the video file for you automatically done you know it's like you're done in in 2 seconds you walk away and you got a new file that just sounds brilliant it's beautiful so, but what I do to my workflow is because I'm just starting now to jump both feet into video and do a lot of YouTube stuff for this MediaByte site that I started. Is I um, I levelize my video or my audio first before I move it over into Dualize and replace it using the movie. So there's there's a piece of software called Levelator. And I'll put, it's free, actually. It's completely free, amazingly so. But it's, it's, a, it's called Levelator. And all you do is you drag an audio file onto it, and it brings the audio levels up to a perfect broadcast level all the way through the file. And it varies it. Like if you're, if you're talking too low in one area, it'll boost it up. If you're talking too loud in one area, it'll bring it down. But it gives you a perfect audio file that then you can take that and bring it into dualize and replace the audio track in your movie and now you have perfect broadcast level audio with your perfectly synced audio in your movie that you shot with your DSLR so it's wonderful that is sweet yeah it's pretty sweet and and the levelator it's called levelator you can google it but uh it's called levelator i'll link to it in the show notes but it is completely free and it was designed for podcasters like for this show for example I will uh, drop this audio file into Levelator before I send it off to the people that edit it. That way I know I'm giving them the best possible file that I could possibly give them. And then they edit it, and everybody's happy. So definitely check that out if you're doing anything to do with audio. It's just it's really, really cool. And Dualize is just awesome for if you're if, – even if you record audio separately, like Derek was saying, with your iPhone – you know, because you can, you know, record that way and then you want to replace the audio from your DSLR video with that audio, you can do it easily with Dualize. It's like 150 bucks. you own it forever, and boom, your audio will sound that much better. And I'll, I don't know if you know this. Derek, I know you guys, both of you guys know this, but you, if you go on YouTube and you look at videos, the video itself can be crappy. But if the audio is crappy you won't listen for more than 10 seconds, right? Amen. Yeah. I mean, you can have video, like I can barely see the person, but if it sounds great, it's like, okay, I can hang in there. But if the video is like HD quality and it's the audio is horrible, you're going to tune out. Done. Well, and people are so, and then beyond that, uh, here, I think I do a really good job with the audio. Oh, finally got it and stuff. And then, you know, someone, oh man, your audio sounds like crap, man. You need to do something. (laughs) They go, man, I I actually worked on it. (laughs) You're like, you're like Urkel. I I meant to do that, right? (laughs) (laughs) This is brutal out there, I tell you. Yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, it's good. I mean, but I think the cool part about all this stuff is that we have these tools here now that let us do this cool stuff. Like with Levelator, we can make – I can make an audio show like the one your listeners are listening to right now. And it will sound, hopefully, at least in the range of what NPR is putting out, right? Because You don't record record this on an ADAT? No, I don't. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm recording on my Mac into Skype. Oh, look at that. Nice. <laughs> so. well, see, now, Freddie, we're going to get all this mail. That, hey, you know, like, we would have never got this before. But, you know, guys, I think you really need to work on your audio a little bit. I know. No, I <laughs> so, see, trust you, me. You, I get you, those all the time. <laughs> you've, you've opened up Pandora's box. I get that all the time. Yeah. But, but the listeners are great because the, the we have a lot of listeners of the show. And across all types of creativity. And when back in the day when our, our show was still getting its sea legs with regard to quality, uh, people would email me and send messages saying, hey, love the show. They always wrap everything in bacon, right? So it's like they start with, hey, I love the show, but, and then they give you the, the negatives, and then they end it with, but keep up the great work. <laughs> Right. So, you know, some of the comments we get would be, love the show, but your audio levels are horrible. I could barely hear Derek and Frederick are shouting, you know. So, so, you know, we we listen to all that stuff. And whenever we get comments like that, we try to fix it. So it's good stuff. So anyway, check it out. Levelator and Dualizer, my two picks. All right, guys, we are at the end of another episode of twip and i would say that this is dan's first episode of twip yeah <laughs> so dan where hopefully can... the first of many i'm never doing this again yeah oh yeah you'll be back <laughs> kicking and screaming yeah. where uh where can people go to find out more about you and your work and the stuff that you are involved in oh there's multiple places but let's just make it easy um you know i think first uh, go to facebook slash dan ablin a b l a n and then our photography site since that's what we're talking about is ablingallery.com Facebook slash Dan Ablin, A-B-L-A-N, and AblinGallery.com. I'm typing that right now into the show notes. Okay, perfect. All right, and Derek, I I have an idea of where people can go, but why don't you you tell us where people can go? One-stop shopping for all your Derek needs, right? Uh, TheDigitalStory.com, TheDigitalStory. I love it. And Derek, just to, so for the people that don't know, the one or two people that don't know, so the Digital Story is a podcast, and tell us about what the Digital Story is. Uh, it, it is a podcast. It started out as uh, an excuse to do a weekly podcast, and now, you know, 300 plus podcasts later. 300. Uh, over 300, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, just really fantastic audience very supportive and you know they they wait for the podcast and all i love them and then uh weekly posts and we really try to just follow photography the passion of photography and all aspects of it i i love gear and and i love the believe it or not frederick i love the shooting part too (laughs) (laughs) not just the camera not just the camera i actually like (laughs) taking pictures and then uh you know we do workshops so i do about eight or ten workshops a year here at the studio and that's all there and uh we have a Flickr public group uh that flows through there so i mean it's really it's a virtual camera club and it's just a it's just a riot. I love that. You know, and I wanted to just draw attention to your workshops because I get a, I haven't had the pleasure of going to one yet, but the feedback that I've seen on those things are people love your workshops. I mean, there are, we, ha- we have, and a you're always time. sold out, right? You're completely sold out for all of them, or are you? We, well, we do. Well, once we get close to it, we're usually sold out. And, you know, there's a little workshop, uh, tab up in the nav bar and you click on it and you get on a reserve list it takes two seconds you get on a reserve list and that that way you get noticed before the public announcement so usually we can accommodate everyone that's in our virtual camera club uh, but probably by the time it goes public it's usually only one or two seats left that's awesome congratulations yeah. on that that's good thanks 
All right. Well, uh, that's it, guys. If, for the listeners, if you want to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, just head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to all of our online presences. Also, please support the show by leaving us a comment on iTunes. And speaking of iTunes, be sure to check out the TWIP podcast app. It's a handy way to keep up with the shows as soon as they are released. It's an awesome app. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at my brand new site, Mediabytes with a Y dot com. It's a marketing school for creatives. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.